Welcome to HACCP Mentor, where it's all about helping you make your food business compliance easier. Sit back and relax as we get our food safety, HACCP and quality compliance on. Welcome back to Off the Menu and I'm here with Peter Holtman today. Hello. How are you going, Pete? I'm well. How are you? Great to see you again. Oh no, it's been a while. What have you been up to in the last week? The last fortnight. The last fortnight I have been figuring out how to make my work in Asia come off, courtesy uh, of coronavirus. Thank you, coronavirus. Thank you, coronavirus. Yeah, it's now impacting my Europe work as well. I'm just waiting for it to affect my Middle East work and then I'm in a real pickle. Right. Okay. Well, so you were telling me before that you can't even get into Italy now, so you've had a job being cancelled there? I have indeed. So what were you going over there to do? Uh, I was doing a food safety vulnerability assessment. Okay, so that would have been obviously the coronavirus cover that as well. Yeah, <laughs> perhaps so. Vulnerability. Yeah. Yeah, I know, I know. So never mind, we will overcome. Good job, good yeah. job. So the last episode we talked about being a novice in the food industry and starting on your career path. We're now progressing into a higher level of mastery, which would be advanced beginner. Okay, so I'm excited to learn about this advanced beginner. So let's start off, Pete. Can you please explain? Please explain. Please explain. What is an advanced beginner? This is someone that can start to work in a more autonomous function than previous and will have a more limited amount of supervision. So uh, they're still learning processes. They're starting to have a more detailed knowledge around a specific process or a component of a process but still new to the world of food production, food safety, and will have a limited amount of autonomy to solve problems and make decisions. Okay, so that's a good summary. So how how long would this whole advanced beginner phase go for, do you believe, on, th- on average? Yeah, I think this is the next 12 months. So the novice was up to 12 months. So I would say an advanced beginner is up to the two-year mark in employment. Okay. So we're going to keep on the same kind of structure that we did in the novice episode and we're going to go through the experience, attributes, skills, knowledge. So when we start getting into this advanced beginner, Pete, what? let's start with the knowledge yep. expectations of an advanced beginner. Yeah, I think these people really have learnt the basics of the role, which is what are the procedures and processes that I'm meant to be following at this workplace, in this job, around this function. What we're probably finding at this, or what we are finding at this point in time is they've attained a deeper level of understanding around a process. It could be cook-chill process. It could be a sanitising process. It could be pick and pack process or it could be a distribution process along the way. So as we know, a a food production environment has or even a food growing food uh, handling has many different processes and many different steps and you may not be exposed to all of those on site. So you may have been given a limited scope 
of control and responsibility versus authority. You'll have some responsibility now for ensuring that process meets its operating conditions. Okay, so very much department-based. So if we're very in much. The, the bread department or the dough department, if we're talking about a bakery, in the packing department, in the cleaning team, so it's, it's more limited or has quite strict boundaries around what areas that you actually work in and what you have access to? Would yeah, that that's right exactly right. That? Yeah, yeah, that would be right. That uh, you've been given a little bit more trust because you've proven your capabilities from your novice days, which you've learnt. You've learnt the language and the peculiar language that comes with the site. And what do I mean by that? Things like acronyms. You know, a machine might have a particular acronym. You go to the GV58 machine and, and do do an SAP on the PLC and people say, what on earth are you talking about? Well, if you've been there 12 months, you'll get it. Okay. Just don't even know what you're talking about. Because <laughs> I haven't been here long enough. There we go. <laughs> so with this person being in this one area, would they still be getting supervised as you know we we talked about in the novice level the supervision was still there because they didn't really have the knowledge uh people at this level advanced beginner is there like a kind of a a task-based supervision still going on it's it's present but it's not as heavily supervised as, as what it was before so the what do I mean by that? It could be the period of time in which you need to report in will expand. So instead of come and tell me when the task is done to come and check in halfway through the day or come and check in at the end of the day and tell me how things have gone. So there's still a level of supervision that's there, but they're giving you more autonomy in the role. So they're giving you responsibility to complete tasks, but you won't have necessarily the authority to make decisions to change tasks, change the order of tasks, change the nature of the task or the outcome of what's happening in that process. Okay, so we're not doing any level of innovation. We're just still following procedure, most likely at a plant plant worker level as opposed to a team leader or a supervisor or something like that. So we're just working, hopefully working efficiently as a plant operator Following instruction, doing what we're supposed to do, but with a little less supervision, yeah? Yeah, so I'll give you an example. I, When I started this laboratory role that uh, I've mentioned before in a food company, food manufacturing place, I progressed from the laboratory systems into the regulatory department. And what that meant was I had to review ingredient labels according to the formulation. So a formulation might have 30 different ingredients in it. And I had to categorize the ingredients into identifiers. So was it a food additive? Was it a preservative? Was it a nature identical flavor? Whatever. I had to do these things and then create the label, the ingredient label according to what's there. So I was given some capabilities and some autonomous work functions to come up with the label but I wasn't able to release that label to go on packaging it had to go back to a technical manager to review all the work I did and then approve that 
So I was able to do some things, but I couldn't sign off on the work that I'd done. Okay, so you're more the doer. Just please do this for me. Please make this product for me. Please put this label together and then I will check. Yeah, and it was batches of labels. It wouldn't be like every single label, bring the label up, let me look at it, now go back and do it, now start on the next label. There would be, you know, five or ten different formulations that would come down in a day and each formulation would take approximately 30 minutes to research on what the right categorization of the ingredient was and then how to compound that into a label. So, you know, 10, 10 ingredients, there's five hours in your day used up that you're doing this mm-hmm. work that take out an hour for lunch. So there's a six-hour interval out of a seven-and-a-half-hour working day. So by the end of the day, you would have completed the labels, done your double-check on it, did a little bit of quality review process and then sent it off to the technical director, usually before the end of the day, to have those reviewed. And then the remaining time would be amending, revising or reviewing any comments from the previous day's labels that were sent up. Sent through. So it sounds like you were really allocated a task that you had to perform and perform proficiently for then someone else to review that work. Yeah, and so it also involved talking to the the compounder of the formulation, so the actual chemist or the bench worker that put the product together and talked to them about the ingredients. So if, if you were uncertain about categorising an ingredient, you could go and talk to the formulator and ask them what its function was because sometimes – as you'll know, Amanda, some ingredients have multiple functions. Yes, it could correct. act as an antioxidant or it can be classified as a preservative or it can be used as a processing aid to make it a free-flowing powder. It depends on how it's being used. And so that's where the complexity started to turn up in the role is using your knowledge attained from the novice level to understand, oh, okay, in this formulation, that ingredient is being used for an anti-caking agent or in this formulation it's being used as an antioxidant for incident. So I think in that situation and we're really starting to kind of hone in on our communication skills because we are having to talk to other people outside of our little bubble, being able to converse with those people in the labs or the people who are putting those formulas together and be able to talk on a technical level. So you're starting to get more knowledge around these additives in your example but I think also that we're starting to build more verbal communication skills and being able to express what you're trying to the information you're trying to get from somebody I think that's a big big part of it it really is so you don't have the level of trust yet to sign off on the work that you've done but you've been given enough trust to go and find the information you need to complete the task whereas in a novice level, that information would have been handed to you and say, you know, reorder the the Lego blocks in this order. Now they're saying some Lego blocks might be missing. Go find them and f- and finish the order of of work. Okay, so I think when I was with health as an inspector, I started to do in this whole advanced beginner phase. I think I got a car then, my own vehicle, so that was pretty cool. But I was then being allowed to similar to you, go off and do the work, but it was still being reviewed 
when it came back. So if I was riding up, so we had to do court work, maybe I would go out and do an inspection on a premises. And if that inspection was going to result in some type of enforcement action, having to go to court, I would then put the the court documents together and my boss would always review those court documents, obviously because you don't want to get to court and them to be wrong. And I think back in those days, we didn't, you couldn't do court documents on your computer. Remember, I'm still got this DOS computer at this stage. Green screen. That's it. That's it. (laughs) We were still actually having to use the typewriter, electric typewriter, yes, that had the correction ribbon in it as well. (laughs) But they still had to be typed because they were in that kind of triplicate carbon copied kind of paper we had to use. And, yeah, so you, you couldn't really use that correction tape because it only cracked the first one. It wouldn't correct the two or three oh, behind course. it because it's the carbon copy ones. So I just remember that typing these things up, it was like, oh, I made a mistake. Throw it out, start again, start again. So it, I think for me doing that, giving, uh, being given that responsibility, I had to make sure it was right. Because I didn't want my boss to come and say to me, you stuff this up, you need to do it again. Absolutely. Because I'd have to go back on his goddamn typewriter and do it again. So, like I said, doing the job, but still someone has to review. Yeah, I I can think of another job. I During university, I got some holiday work at an environmental testing lab, which meant doing again, more wet chemistry work, or as we call it, bucket chemistry. So it's a lot of chemical analysis, titrations, all those sorts of things. This time, though, the work was for court actions. So someone had done a soil testing or something like that on on a work site, and it came back with a particular chemical reading or a heavy metal reading. And my job was to retest the sample to either corroborate the result or to provide the new result. So it came with a high level of risk, perhaps another level of complexity, but definitely had the responsibility was left to me to manage the number of samples I was doing in a day and using the right method. So I'd have to find the right chemical analysis method from the procedures and apply it. But someone was always checking my work and making sure I'd done the the correct work. Yeah, so I think regardless of what kind of area you're working in, whether it be government or laboratory or you're a plant worker, it's still going to be the same kind of things that you're doing. You you do the work, you know how to do the work, you can follow procedure, you're quite good at doing that task, you don't tend to make mistakes, I would think, at that advanced beginner level because you've made all that at a novice. Remember, we're into around about the second year of being in the, the position but someone still is always reviewing or verifying that what you've done is correct. And then I think based on that, if you've stuffed up, you've got that ability to recognise that you've stuffed up and to fix the problem. Yeah, that's really important. It's about being able to identify problems, either something that you've created or something that someone else has created, but definitely being able to identify there's a problem in the product or the process or even the procedure involved in what you're doing, not necessarily meant to be resolving those problems, 
but definitely communicating that there's a problem. And so communication skills improve now or increase. You're expected to talk perhaps more often to more people about more complexity. Okay. And I think also you've written, so communication is just not about your verbal communication. No, that's exactly right. It's We have to also consider our written work. So maybe now you're at the level, if you're working as a plant worker, but on working on production floor, you're now expected to, you may, or I should say, you may be given the responsibility that you have to fill out monitoring records of some sort, where previously as a novice, you weren't given that responsibility. Where if you've been there for a while, yes, okay, so you maybe have to do checks on the metal detector or you have to do temperature monitoring. So, and you record that information and that whole, I suppose, the written communication is that you can write that stuff clearly. People can understand what you've written and, as Pete said before, recognising when there is a problem. Yeah, and the problems are becoming more important in your role, not creating problems. Hopefully you're not creating more problems, but definitely identifying what could be a problem and noticing when it is a problem because you don't need to have that stuff pointed out to you all the time. We all work in an organisation as hopefully a larger organism that's trying to generate the same outcome day after day after day. So the product that hits the market is consistent and reliable because that's what people buy. People buy reliability and consistency. They don't necessarily buy product for a new colour or a new shape. They buy it because it's familiar and it always goes in their shopping trolley at the end of the day. Well, it's expectation, isn't it? They know what to expect and we're not going to get surprises because when when we get something that's outside of our expectations, that's when there becomes dramas. Yep. I think what comes out of this as well is the ability to start analysing the nature of the problem that you're identifying. Is this a big problem? Is this a bad problem? Is it going to stop the production line? Is it going to slow it down? Does it stop the plant for the day? Is it about identifying the person or the or the process that's causing it? You don't have to go into the detail, but I think what we're looking for here is particularly when I was employing people at these levels, is someone that can do some cursory analysis of a situation and say, put their hand up and say, hey, we've got a problem that's occurring here and it's this is how the problem is occurring. Not necessarily why it's occurring, which is a deeper analysis or root cause analysis, but there is a problem occurring and this is where it's occurring. So I think, again, for those people who are familiar with HACCP and going through that process, that you will have a monitoring, you'll have a critical limit, especially around CCPs, QCPs, RCPs. If you're based in the US, you will have your preventive controls when your critical limits don't meet that when as part of your monitoring process. There should be some type of procedure already in place around what do you do if things go wrong. So I think at this level, you're not expected to come up with the what do you do because somebody else at a higher level has already written that. You just have to have the ability to be able to follow that direction and but initially to be able to identify, hmm, this doesn't actually meet our critical limit or our critical limit's been exceeded. That should be the trigger point at this level, advanced beginner, to then 
yeah. follow that corrective action That's procedure. Right. So I'll give you another example. When I was in the food flavouring company, I was doing, still doing the regulatory work. There were times when I was called back into the lab to work because they might have been short-staffed or it was busy or it was a holiday period or what have you. So I'd learnt the necessary skills to work in the lab in a number of different functions. At this time, it was around about, let's call it 2001, when HACCP started to rear its ugly head in Australia and we had some critical control points put in. What I was then charged with back in the in the laboratory was doing the testing and when those critical limits were being exceeded. So in this case, it was, a, it was around chemicals. I would have to then go back out into the production area and raise it with the production team to say your critical limit has been exceeded to which they then start put the putting in the necessary corrective action for it. So I had to communicate to people that a problem was occurring, that I've identified the problem, that I'd recorded the problem in the laboratory records, but then I was also instigating some sort of corrective action. Okay, but you weren't expected to then, as you said, go deeper and do any type of root cause analysis. It's just we need to stop this from affecting product going forward. Yeah, that's right. At this point. So I think uh, if we look at the type of attributes that I was developing and perhaps you're also in your role, your confidence was definitely growing because you're now being charged with a level of responsibility that you didn't have before. So that comes with trust, responsibility and trust are intimately linked. So you're you're probably feeling a little bit more recognised in what you're doing. I think also... With that confidence, the more knowledgeable and the more at ease you feel with your level of knowledge in doing something, you do feel a lot more confident. It's I think you said in the previous episode is because you didn't really feel, you know, you were still trying to make your way through a process and didn't really feel like that you could you could do it, but you you, you were still you yeah were you were still kind of second guessing yeah from that side of it, so your confidence may be a bit lesser. Where now. You've been there for nearly, you know, it could be 18 months, nearly going on to two years. So you're confident in the fact that you know what you're doing, you know what your job is, but then the confidence to go to the next level, that may be Yeah, not absolutely. There yet. If you were handed a bag of Lego bricks now and asked to make a house out of it, I think you're going to be pretty well assured you know how to build a house out of Lego bricks, whereas you may not have been able to do that at the, the novice stage. You might have asked, well, you know, how big? How, how tall, what colour, all those things which may have been handed to you. These days you're not given that level of direction. You're expected to understand how that happens. At this advanced beginner. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. right, you, you, which means people are expecting you to understand the process that you're responsible for and that you'll be able to identify when issues occur within the process because you are become uh, very familiar with the process. And I think that... If you're in a position now and you don't actually understand the why, why we do stuff, you need to have a conversation with your supervisor management around knowing that stuff. Because if you don't, what I've seen, especially when I've been auditing for the last gazillion years, that people tend to implement compliance initiatives if they understand the why, as opposed to just being told to do something you're going to get a better uptake of compliance. Absolutely. And you're starting to touch on a really important attribute around commitment now and that you're showing a level of commitment to your job and to the organisation, which 
builds when you become familiar with the organisation and the principle of why. Why does sequence of events happen in this order? What happens when those sequence of, of events are breached? And why is this important to our organisation? Because, again, not every organisation produces the same product in the same manner to get the same outcome. Why? Because they have different customers with different needs and different price expectations as well. So you may have come from another company. You may have been doing general analysis in a laboratory for a different company and you've been employed into your new company because you understand how to do the analysis, but it's slightly different for this company. So you're now about to learn the why do they do it differently, not, hey, I've always done it this way, therefore I'm going to continue to do it this way. Yeah, or you could have gone from a completely different industry. Maybe you worked in fish farming before, but now you're in oyster farming. Yeah, exactly. To, even though they're both seafood, Two very different processes that you have to go through and same with lobster farming or, or whatever. It can be very, very different. So you're still going to have probably a level of novels going into that new position just because you're learning a new process. But I would expect that that would end up being a lot shorter time frame because you're really just doing the knowledge side of stuff as opposed to these other skills around communication or sorry even attributes around commitment because you're already committed as it is yeah and you're relying on your work experience to carry you through into the new role and so we're starting to touch on the the whole concept of competency here and what makes a competent person and what we talk about is you have the necessary attributes to convert your knowledge and skills into outcomes for that process. So, and that's where work experience comes from, is the demonstration of your ability to convert your knowledge using your skills into an output. Okay. So that's, I think, having that good base level at this level, you know, if you've got the experience, if you've got the skill, if you've got the attributes, you can really go and learn. I'm a big believer you can learn anything if you've got that attribute of commitment, of a willingness to learn, to progress, and probably that the motivation or the willingness to go through and put more knowledge in your head around sure. whatever. <laughs> I don't know if I'm making if I'm making sense or not. Well, I'll give you that. an example around this. It's, it's a good point. So I was doing some recent, fairly recently within the last five years, I was doing some consulting work on human resources side for a very, very large global organisation. They have more than 165,000 employees. A few then. Just a few. And at any given time, they've got about 10,000 people on the waiting list to come into this organisation. I think I've actually mentioned this in a previous podcast we've done. But I was talking to these people about in the HR, so the global HR director, about why people don't learn functions and tasks and why do they have such high turnover. And I was trying to impress upon them the point around personal attribute. And what finally brought it all home for these guys was saying, you can provide a million dollars of training to an individual and they still won't 
deploy that training in the workplace. Why? Because they're not motivated to learn the knowledge and use it. And that's an attribute. So when you're employing, it's a really important function in interview and selection and recruitment is to look at the attributes you want for that role. Do you want someone that's that consistent, come in, do the job, don't ask any questions, do the same thing for 25 years? Or do you want someone that's coming and asking, why am I doing it? And then perhaps, why am I improving? And then perhaps someone that also says, how can I lead others to do the right function? So personal attributes or behaviors play a very important role in the absorption and then the regurgitation of training into our job outputs through their skill set. Okay. So that's yeah, a great example there from a massive organisation. And it doesn't matter whether you're massive or small, it'll be the same regardless. And yeah. we, we did touch on that stuff, I think, back in that episode two, two or three when we started to get into the what job do you actually want to do and are you actually suited? So going back and doing those, I think we, we did put links we did. around the different types of testing that you can do online to see whether you're actually suited. Yeah, go back and look at our previous podcasts for, for more information. On that. I think another attribute that needs to be raised here is being self-organised and being able to schedule your own day and your own activities. Perhaps when you're at a novice you weren't able to do that. You were being directed. Now they're expecting a level of self-direction or self-organisation here. So, I think that will be very dependent on the job because obviously if you're a plant worker, you may be quite proficient in your job, uh, advanced beginner, but you can't pick and choose when you're going to start that production line. That's already been that's true. for you. Yeah, you know, those you've got those are hard-coded activities. Yeah. Perhaps in jobs where there's a little more flexibility or randomness in in what you're doing. So, oh, you know, we've just run blue icy poles. What colour will we run next when we've got, you know, pink, yellow and green waiting for us? Well, we don't want to do a clean down between every single run. We don't want to do a CIP because it costs money. So let's run the pink one next because uh, we don't... the one with the peanut allergen in it. Yeah. (laughs) Peanuts in icy poles. That's interesting. No, no. Well, I don't think at that level, and this is the beauty of Peter and my relationship, is that we can agree to disagree or we can just flat out disagree with each other. I disagree with that statement. (laughs) I think in production per se at this level, you you don't get to choose. You don't have the flexibility. You don't get to choose, okay, no, today I feel like running the red icy poles rather than the blue ones. You don't get to choose that. That's just what happens. Well, what a terrible world we live in when well, <laughs> you can't choose your icy pole colour. But I think in the, like from a lab perspective, you know, unless you're tied that I have to have these samples back to production or to release product or something like that by a time, yes, you do have that flexibility. I had the flexibility at this level to go – I know what I have to achieve today. I get to choose what order I do that in as opposed to, no, I don't really want to do that today. I actually want to go and do an inspection of a butcher shop rather than the sampling of you know, a swimming pool or something like that. Amanda, I remember a time when you had some employees or at least some uh, casual work working with you in your business way back when? Oh, that was, they were the days. Yeah. 
how were you directing people's activities or time at that point? Were they? Would you say they were at the advanced beginner or novice level or above? And how did you uh, manage that? Well, I think I had a trainee who was on an admin traineeship, so I would give her the work. I needed it done by a certain time because obviously I had clients. This while I was doing a lot of nutrition labelling and she had to put the data in. So for me to do that next phase, I needed her to do the first phase. So it was very much time sensitive from that side of it. But when it came to filing, it was like, okay, I need these filed. You choose when you want to file them. If you want to do it at 3 o'clock, do it at 3. If you want to do it tomorrow, do it tomorrow. Just don't let me walk in in a week's time and see a massive big lot of files because Six you have paperwork yeah. stacked in the corner. <laughs> of course you haven't done the filing. And of course in that scenario you're always going to be interrupted by the phone ringing, you know, from that particular task. So in the early days it was very much the obviously the novice, especially for the trainee. I was always watching and advising we were in a very close space as well. So it wasn't like she had to go far to ask for the information. We were always talking. And then at this level now, the advanced beginner, you know, I didn't have to check as much. I would just do a fleeting eye of checking from that side. And also that there was a lot more trust there. I trusted her to come in and do the work and I could actually advise from a distance. So if I was out in the field, she could be in the office by herself. So the level of supervision was a lot less than what it was in that first Mm. 12 months. I can think when I was bringing new employees into one of the businesses I was working in, still in the food arena, but this was around uh, certifying professionals that worked in that space. And at the advanced beginner level, I would help them scope their work tasks and the type of outputs we were expecting throughout the day and then I would pretty much leave them to run their own space Mm. in their own time and then check in on them in the afternoon. That seemed to work for me. Maybe it doesn't work for everybody. but No, well, again, it just really depends on the the food job that you are doing. I think Mm. if there's that time sensitivity, obviously in production, you don't get to choose that. But where you have got that flexibility, you do. So regardless, you still need that attribute of being able to be organised and even – in production, be organised to show up on time that that production's starting. Be organised to actually get your get yourself to work. Absolutely. Yeah, have all your PPE on and you're there ready when the line is ready to start. Yep, absolutely. These are important things as well, not being told, get changed and, uh, you know, where's your left gumboot, you know, That's why right. you're still wearing your sand shoe instead of your gumboot. Your sand thing. shoe. Do yeah. people actually still wear sand shoes? Desert boots. What's wrong Hang with bring on. back I desert think, boots, I, I say. I think you're – oh, no, you've got boat boy shoes on today. Slippers. Not- <laughs> Moccasins. Slippers. <laughs> anyway, on that note, Pete needs to go change his shoes. But Put on socks. In this episode, we've started to look at – the skills, attribute, knowledge and experience of the advanced beginner. Next episode, we're going to go to the next level where we're expecting oh, around about the five-year mark. I yeah, that'll be, be right. Yeah, uh, anything between the, the two to five-year requirement, we're moving into the, into the competent, competent yeah, worker. Yeah, so. so until next time, thanks again, Pete. I will see you next episode. 
and hopefully you'll be wearing different shoes. Thanks for listening. Thank you. You've been listening to HACCP Mentor. For all your food business, HACCP, quality and food safety compliance tools, check out our website at www.hacapmentor.com. You can also find all the links and resources mentioned in the show notes to this episode.